0: what freaked me out in retrospect looking back was the stuff around respirators and how many people got put on respirators and then just never never came off
1: mm-hmm. you know you hear stories try to be evidence-based but also there's stories uh, i don't remember where i heard it but some guy you know healthy young guy but running himself ragged and um got covid and he's like you know the doctor told me normally I would put someone like you on a respirator, but every time I put them on respirators, they, they pass away. So I'm not going to do it. He's like, I'm yeah, glad that's he, not I'm what you want. He to he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was it like for you guys during that? Were you good? Did you, did you, you guys, guys stay open? Therapy? Yeah. Through COVID? Uh, March 19th, two days after St. Patrick's day, I sent everyone home and, um, closed the office to, uh, you know, to patients and to most staff. And me and the two managers stayed and, like, you know, what are we going to do? Because we didn't know. Nobody knew. We didn't know. Like, I mean, if this is the plague, people can just limp around. (laughs) You know, we'll we'll figure your knee out later. Um, So we didn't know. So we didn't have anyone in the clinic for um, probably probably five or six weeks. And uh, I went from not knowing anything about telehealth. I don't know. It sounds like it must be on a television (laughs) too. Then I could probably give a lecture how, how telehealth works, you know? So we just had to pick up. And luckily there was already people that were, uh, that were in that lane, you know, even 15 or 20 years, just figuring it out. So, uh, so they were real helpful. This is what we do, you know? And, um, you know, there was uh, billing concerns and just different things. But, so we did that for a little bit, uh, it turned out I did pretty good with shoulders. I didn't do very well with knees. There, some things lend themselves, you know. Uh, this, this one lady had been in, in, in the clinic patient, and I don't think I'm breaking any HIPAA stuff. I'm not saying her name. or I don't think anyone make this connection. But she's not getting better, right? So you're doing the exercises. Yeah, uh-huh. Well, now she's at home, and I can see her house, right? So she's doing this doorway stretch in her bathroom, and there's a towel rack in the way. Well, how, I'm never, it's not on my, you know, do you have a towel rack on the bathroom? Yeah, that's one of the checklist. Yeah. So I was like, aha, okay, so do you have a different doorway?
0: (laughs) Was it harder trying to get people to stick to their routines or actually assess what's going on because you're not there with them?
1: Yeah. Um, The people that really want to do it, they'll they'll do it. But for the people that are kind of doing it, it, it is harder, you know. It's not always easy to explain things, but, um, it was good. Yeah. So, uh, we did that for five, six weeks. Then we started, okay, I think we can have someone in the clinic and we were like, just clean everything immaculate and have one person and then clean it immaculate. And then they leave. We had like 30 minutes in between patients so that they would never encounter each other. Uh, but then, you know, more information came, we started getting the hang of it. Okay. So we made sure all our tables are six feet apart and we started scheduling and glad, you know, gradually it picked back up to, to just a full schedule. And I even, um, did workshops during that time. Uh, I was doing these shoulder workshops, um, kind of a good faith information, you know, what are the three best exercises for rotator cuff, this type of thing. So, you know, they come and, um, <laughs> I got the tape, you know, on the, I've got them all spaced out. Both doors open. Fans. I got these. Uh, what are they called? Uh, infrared filters. That same thing they use in surgical rooms after surgery to filter out the air. Uh huh. They they clean it. They sterilize it. So so I did that, and um, yeah, from there we just moved forward. Man, the rotator cuff
0: stuff scares me because it mm-hmm. seems like everybody knows somebody that's blown their rotator cuff. Yeah.
1: Well that's and that was the idea of those workshops. I would do once a month. We'd put out these ads and people answer the ad and then you you know you can get us I could have up to 15 people in that space safely. But the part of the thing about rotator cuff is that not everyone needs surgery. Usually you're hurt and you can rehab it and people are like, "Oh no, I can't get my wallet." Yeah, that's what everybody says. It has that. That's not like don't be scared.
0: <laughs> well, the wallet stuff, how many people have messed up their posture their spine because they sit on a four inch thick wallet for x number of hours a day certainly. for x
1: number of years certainly that's an issue yeah. every
0: time i see that somebody busts out a thick
1: wallet i think oh don't do that i
0: mean that's that's a seinfeld episode from yeah my <laughs> the rotator cuff is are people blowing that out just because they're not exercising it or is there just i mean why does that go
1: uh there's a couple common reasons um you know you can sometimes call it uh, ups syndrome guy after 30 you use a you lose a half a percent of your strength a year so if you're not on purpose doing something about it you're getting half a percent weaker every year so if you peak around 30 let's say physically you're you're strong when you're 40 you're 5% weaker so you know, the rotator cuff is a muscle <clears throat> into a tendon sheath type of thing, but it's going to get weaker. And the whole thing, it works on timing. Your shoulder blade has to work and your rotator cuff has to work. Your shoulder blade positions your big muscles, your deltoids, and so forth. And then your rotator cuff fine-tunes them so that the bone's in the right place so that when you push with your pec or your deltoid, it happens right. If you lose, if you lose 5% of your strength, that timing might be a little off and you might just start wearing it a little. And especially if it's this job, you know, UPS or whatever, uh, that's common. A lot of times though, I, I don't know how many times I heard this one. I was just walking my dog and the dog took off and I tried to stop stop the dog from taking off. How big is your dog? Pretty big. Hurts right there. Yeah. Uh, it's usually the activities you do. You know, combination of things. I
0: didn't even think about somebody getting jerked from their dog and that messing with it.
1: Yeah. That's so, just, so the answer is, if your dog takes off on you, push cool. down. Don't hold back like that.
0: Or just train your dog so it doesn't do
1: that. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah.
0: Is that, what are the big ones that people are coming to you for? Is it shoulder injuries? That's In, what I you hear a lot. Injuries we see?
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm known for sacroiliac stuff, uh, low back, sacroiliac, hips. That's what I do a lot. Of course, I work on ankles and knees and shoulders and stuff. Uh, spine, headache is what I do a lot. There's four physical therapists in the clinic, and um, uh, one lady, Nikki, she used to. Uh, she's from Detroit. She used to work with the uh, the Red Wings and the ballet over there. So, she's great high end exercise stuff, you know. Um, and then Mona Lisa is another one. She um, is great with these injuries, kind of like me that. It took a long time. Classic, classic patient for me is, you know, seven years ago I fell off the roof and my neck, shoulder, hip, knee, and ankle hurt. That's not like an ankle sprain or a rotator cuff. Oh, you got this. Okay, there you go. You know, four weeks, six weeks, three weeks, you're done. That's a that's a project. You know, what hurts everything. Okay, so she's she's pretty good at that. And then the fourth physical therapist is uh, Carly. She's been out of school for about a year. She played college basketball. She wants all the dynamic, you know, stuff. So we're, you know, knee surgeries, ankles, stuff. And, uh, and Nikki and Carly, they, um, they coordinate with the trainers at Cal Poly. And so we see a lot of their patients, a lot of their student athletes.
0: Yeah, but would imagine that's a steady flow of people. I, tweak, I was playing basketball and tweak something.
1: Yeah. You know, I'm curious. Uh, I was, of course, watching your podcast. It's like, you know, what is this? you have a lot of interesting guests but um i don't know if i'm in that how did how did you come on to me to uh how did you how did i come on your radar
0: well i would throw you in that interesting well we'll talk after but i would okay. put you up there right now okay i mean physical therapy i've had a couple of buddies on who do that tyler evenson he's i think going back to school for it right now and it's just it's fascinating i'm a guy that's always in the gym and so you're always seeing people who have blown something or you're looking at their form thinking oh there's no way this is gonna end well i was watching a yeah. guy the other day who was probably in his late 60s early 70s doing some deadlift but just completely hooking the bar up and as he's bending over I'm, I'm just thinking this is this is how you lose your lower back this is where it ends for you what are you what are you doing yeah and i think don't it's you have any just, friends? Yeah, hey, or stop just, that. You don't, and have you don't to be want to a be professional. the guy that walks over and says, yeah. Hey, can I you yeah. want some pointers maybe for this? Because it yeah. looked like he was there with his wife, and but it was just painful watching that because all I could think is, Oh, dude, one movement like that and your back is
1: gone. And for yeah. deadlifts
0: too, you're, you're in your 70s. You don't need to deadlift. You could do some other variation, do some hyperextensions.
1: Getting hurt will never go out of style. Yeah,
0: right. <laughs> Is that your typical clientele? Is older people that are, something's just gone amiss? Or are you getting a lot of those sports injuries too?
1: Well, Humboldt is a a retirement destination, you know. People want to leave wherever they are, San Diego, Bay Area, but they want to stay in California and this is where they land. We actually have several model programs for seniors. So, you know, Medicare, when you do my job, you care about something called payer mix, like what percent of different insurances are we seeing? So my payer mix is 50% Medicare, you know. I, I don't have any plan to like move away from seeing senior citizens, you know. Fifty that's half, you know. And so um and so that's just that's just part of the geography, I think. Yeah. It's hard just getting the access to information.
0: Cause it seems like a lot of these injuries are preventable if you, you said it. if you were working out and follow a steady plan and are working on mobility which I will admit I don't do enough myself. But well, I don't think people know that.
1: I think a lot of people don't know, um, a couple things. They don't know, uh, what could be good for them. They don't know where to find it. They don't know what physical therapy does or is. And, um, that's our fault because we don't, uh, we don't promote ourselves very well. You know, they're sort of like, uh, this old tradition of trying not to make the doctor mad. And, um, I also am a doctor, <laughs> you know, I know things they don't know. They know things I don't know. We're colleagues. We're interested. This is like, uh, you know, riding motorcycles. They're into riding motorcycles and I'm into riding motorcycles. Not not really, but it's a shared topic. So they're actually my colleague, you know. Uh, but I think that's some that can be worked on and certain people are working on it. Like I teach, sometimes I teach Ollie classes through Cal Poly Humble. And I'm going to teach one November 13th. It's not like... Uh, you know, what are the variations of different squats? It's just, what is physical therapy? You know, how how do I know if I need it? What can it do for me? And you know, what I hear a lot, uh, talk to people. Oh yeah. Yeah. I I play music. So people want to come up and just talk to you. Oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm a physical therapy. Oh, a physical therapist. Uh, Do you know what that is? Not really, but I know it hurts to me. That's embarrassing. Like, Oh no. 85% 85% of people just think, I don't know what it is, but it just hurts. I, I'm like, well, actually, it usually shouldn't hurt. You know, if you just had surgery, we got to move your knee. That's going to hurt. But most of it shouldn't hurt. Uh, so really, though, it's just doing that outreach to, to let people know what it is. So that's what it was with those workshops for the shoulder. That's what it is with the Ollie. Uh, I'm going to write an article, see if I can get it in the senior news pretty soon. And it's really educating the public you know, what is it? How does it work? And how do I use it? How do I know if I need it? You know? And we all need it. I think that's the key takeaways. We all, or at least physical exercise in some
0: form, Mm -hmm. we all need that. Because if you're waiting until you're 70 to get in shape, it's going to be an uphill battle as if you, as opposed to if you just maintain throughout your 40s and 50s and 60s, you're going to have a way better pathway just through life.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, it's not just, oh, I got hurt how I solved this either. Sometimes it's, you know, I've been sedentary. I used to play soccer, but I've been sedentary 10 years, and now I think I want to start rock climbing. Well, come see us, and we'll tell you before you go hurt yourself what you need to do so that then you can go do that safely, you know?
0: Yeah, that seems like a recipe to get something torn or injured, something that you go from sedentary to all out. Just on a dime. Those yeah. people that say, Oh, you know, I haven't run for 10 years, but I think I'm going to pick up running. And then they just, you know, blow out their knees.
1: Yeah. That does happen. Those weekend warriors types.
0: I fall into that sometimes with running. And mm-hmm. that's all I think about is, oh, Am I just trashing my knees doing this?
1: You know, it's over. It's un- underrated. Uh, just movement is good, you know. You don't have to carry a giant rock across a field or something. Just go do something, you know? Just don't sit down all the time. Uh, if, you're, if you're at your house four or five hours, don't sit four or five hours. Get up every hour and just go do something, you know? How bad is that, sitting, doing what we're doing right now? If you're doing well, that for certain, eight hours a day. We're certainly not made for that. Uh, human bodies, um, laying flat with your knees bent is the least amount of pressure on your low back. We'll call that one standing up is two times that much pressure on your low back. Um, sitting down is four times that much pressure. So just sitting, we're just really not made for this. You know, we're made for lounging. Your mom might say sit up, but really we're made for lounging and then getting up and walking and running and and then lounging. That's what we're made for. We're really not sit made for these constrained positions that a lot of us, you know, work in. It's one thing I like about physical therapy, you know, I'm working, I'm moving, I do sit at my desk and then I'm working and moving and I'm um, factored into why, why I wanted to do this, you know, uh, do more admin now. So I'm at my desk three days a week, which is, it's good and bad, but, um, certainly it's something I thought about when I was thinking about what I wanted to do, you know.
0: Those three days that you're sitting, are you just thinking about your lower back?
1: No, I have a lot of propping where I change my I change my position and I and I make it where it's not problematic. And, is, I, and I do be stand up and
0: recommended if somebody is sitting in a chair all day is to kind of slouch. I, I guess you would say or lean back a little bit more. Um, than you, should? you
1: know, you want to be positioned. You want your weight your weight on your bottom and also on your feet. And um, you know, like how we're sitting right now, our arms are supported. But if your arms aren't supported and you you start sagging, you know, it, it'll forward. Get you, yeah. And some of it is just this being in the same position, you know, if you can at least move, move a little or stand up or, or change your position so you don't just keep wearing out that, whatever that structure is that's holding you, you know?
0: Yeah, the lower back is another aspect that worries me too. Going back to the deadlift thing, is it? Do you have I mean, low back pain? I don't. I've had lower back pain in the past, probably from poor form of, you know, doing back squats or deadlifts but it's something that's always on my mind, especially doing those movements.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you, uh, if your, your rear end is like the steering wheel of your body. So if you're bending or picking things up and you make sure that your butt is the thing that you feel working, you're probably all right. That's a good probably rule of thumb. Your butt is driving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whatever you're picking up or however you're hinging. I have a friend, uh, her, his daughter is, you know, does ballet. Every time she bends over, though, she bends right here and doesn't use... She probably doesn't want to stick her butt out because it looks like something. But I just have to get people to get over that. Like, just just get over that because otherwise you're going to be fighting an injury that if it took 10 years to develop, it's not going to go away in three months, you know.
0: Yeah, the bending over to pick something up, everyone just cuts it right at your waist and just tilts forward.
1: Yeah, little kids don't do that. So what happened, you know... 80% 80% of Americans will get a back problem. 80%. Six, I'm 6 not saying how severe it is, but 80% will get a back problem. 60% will never know what happened. They didn't fall off the roof. They didn't get in a car accident. They're just like, what? Now I'm hurting? And so a lot of that is just how you move and some basic simple stuff. You know, the older you get, the more you're going on habit that you've developed. So, so, um getting those habits early like pe okay badminton well i don't i'm i'm 52 so i don't know what they do in pe anymore but all the stuff i played i guess that's fun but it's more like a time filler go do something how about uh having a relationship with the ground that seems like a good pe topic or even tai chi i've taken tai chi and it's not enough of like an exercise for me but you leave there your steps are exact you know and um i just don't see people that do that a lot getting a back problem, you know, unless they pick up something too heavy or something.
0: When you say having a relationship with the ground, what do you mean by that? Like uh, weighing on the ground?
1: No, uh gravity is sucking us to the ground. And so it's pulling on all parts of us. Right now, if I you know if I want to answer specifically, ninety percent of my weight is on my bottom and 10% is in my feet or or some percent is in my hands too. I know where the ground is. I'm not doddering along, tiptoeing, not sure. But that's not, that does happen, you know. So uh, so how you stand, how you move when you get older and have balance problems, sometimes people are falling because they don't walk all the way to the chair and turn and be ready to sit, you know. They're not paying attention to the ground and what it's doing to them. Um, I did jujitsu for years too, so the ground is, you know, you're Grav- comfortable gravity with Gravity and the ground is something I think about. You know? Yeah. Like we're, Especially we're when we are getting I'm thrown to, throw to the ground. ground. Yeah. <laughs> I think of that old cartoon. Um, uh, the bulldog has uh, Sylvester, the cat, uh, Tom and Jerry, and he's he's just pounding him against the ground. <laughs> to me, that's what jiu is. So that's a relationship with the ground, right? He's sturdy, and he's using it to hit the cat against him. Uh, but really... That might sound like a, an odd concept, but that's, you know, people need to think about that. Like, okay, am I, am I feeling, uh, my forefeet hurt, the, the front of my feet hurt. Why? Uh, am I weak? No, you're not, you're not weak. You're leaning forward, you know. Um, don't lean forward so much. <laughs> yeah, could wait, could it be time. that simple? Is it that simple? Sometimes. I have a patient right now, her feet hurt. And I show her, we have a posture station, you know. See how you're leaning forward? All your weight is on your forefeet. Give your heels a chance too. Plus, you're only using your knees when you're on your forefeet. If you put some weight into your heels, you use your bottom more, which is the boss. It's a better thing to put some weight into. And she'll come in with pain. we get her squared away. I have her do some sit to stand. A lot of my exercises are the most simple. Sit to stand, but I nag and you know (laughs) micromanage how she does it. Okay, this is not the boss. This is the boss. And then she does it a little. Okay, good. Now walk around. Your feet hurt? No. There you go. So if I can show people real change in them, then they're more you know likely to buy in. And really, if I can't show real change in them, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about anyway, you know? This shouldn't be something that you have to disbelieve. You should see. I feel like we should all put pressure on ourselves that visit. Okay, you know, where do you hurt? and how much to start. Okay, we did some things. Okay, where do you hurt, and how much at the end? There should be a change, or maybe I didn't do anything, you know? Are most people seeing results that fast? They yes. can come for one session
0: and notice some level of improvement.
1: Uh, uh, unless someone is really inflamed or has a, a serious problem that you're working through, I hope that every patient shows progress each visit. Um, that doesn't mean it's not going to come back because they forgot what I said or, you know, there's some habit they have at home that they haven't figured out that that's what it is yet, but, but certainly, you know. Um, I mean, yeah, some people get better in on one or two visits. Some people take longer. But, but as far as showing change, you know, getting the change to last, that's something more that, that we work on, you know. But, yeah, you, you should see change every visit, I think. I would imagine that's semi-dependent on how long they've been
0: dealing with the issue as well whether it's just become sure. this constant pain that they're living with versus oh it happened last week i tripped and tweaked my knee sure
1: sure a lot of backs get better in three months anyway just naturally mm-hmm. now are they better better a hundred is it going to happen again i don't know but like the complaint that they complain about is often gone in three months
0: now we'd be interested to know if that's better better or just you've ad- Adapted to the pain level,
1: right? And usually it is that they're not hurting as much. Um, but uh, that is an interesting um, a topic about research. You know, you can only learn based on the questions you ask and what you measure. You know, okay. So the article says most people get better in three months. They're better, like it never happens again, or they're better and then they're going to get it again next year. You know. I have a cousin, he makes cabinets. Once a year, his back goes out. He's got an L4 disc that bugs him because he's bent and loading all day, you know? So he's strong and he's good at it, but it gets him every once in a while. So is he better in three months? Yeah. But he'll probably get it again next year, you know? Yeah, I don't know if that's a good trade-off, three months on, one month off. Is that because... I don't, I've just repeated. I don't think I would say that. I think once a, did I say once a month? Once a year. Once a about year. About once oh, a maybe year I, he gets I hurt and that. it lasts a few weeks. Uh, but I don't live near him, so I can't. But
0: still every year going through that doesn't sound great. Doesn't, doesn't
1: seem, huh? Uh, I think he should raise all his cabinets about this much. And then he won't be in that, I call it nurse's position or dish dishes position. Slightly bent. That's a position that inhibits our stabilization muscles. So unless you on purpose pull your belly in and make sure you're using your bottom, that little bent position is almost worse than more of a squat because your body's just not trying to take care of it, you know?
0: With a position like that, are those sustainable throughout a lifetime if you're using proper form? And the problem is that most people aren't, or is it just being in that position is bad for your body? And it's just the repetitive nature of going through that time and time again.
1: Uh, If you don't have any injury, then
0: I guess you could just do that. Would one result though if you're doing that for ten years?
1: Possibly. I mean, yeah, I don't have numbers for that, but I don't think just that would would get you hurting. It
0: might. Well, you look. Always look at people who work with concrete, and you see them when they're in their twenties, and then you see them when they're in their thirties and forties and they're pretty busted up. Mm -hmm. And I wonder how much of that is them, you know, you'll see them hunched over slinging a sledgehammer, busting shit up. And I wonder how much of that is just the repetitive nature of being in those positions versus maybe that could be offset if they were utilizing some better form.
1: There's a few, there's a few issues that, that feed into that. One is, you know, if you watch athletes, um, They warm up before they perform. They they do this, they get ready. And a concrete worker is an industrial athlete. So And uh, you're not getting ready. You're just going straight, you're going straight down. Yeah. So if you if you're not if you're not, you know, if you're if you're a professional basketball player, there's a whole workout that goes with that to minimize damage. If you're doing construction or or concrete There should probably be a routine that goes with that so that you can do it and not break yourself down. And the fact is, that's hard. Concrete is heavy. It's hard, you know? I mean, that's bound to tear some things. And you just probably got to know that you're going to rehab some of those things because that's just part of it. The nature of the job. Yeah. I had a young gal that um, she was a farmer. And I was like, well, you've been really beating your body up. You know, she's bent over in a field all day. He goes, no, I'm not, I'm farming. And I'm like, I'm not saying farming is bad. I'm just saying this is a tough thing to do all day for many hours, you know? Maybe there's some other things you should do too if you want to do that, you know? Yeah, there are different,
0: different levels of toughness, right? There's tough working as a farmer or working concrete, and then there's tough sitting at a desk for eight hours in a
1: chair. hmm Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, being able to put up with pain is good and bad, probably gets people that have that ability far. Uh, but using your brains a little and and trying to think of how you do it is probably going to help you. you yeah,
0: long term, right? Yeah. Is that, I would imagine that's another aspect of this problem is toughness. People just toughing out a problem and then it compounds into something else or they're overcompensating. Yeah.
1: You know, patients, people are different and um, I'm a self-starter or I would never have done all this. So I never under, as a new therapist, I was like, uh, so uh, show me your homework. What homework? The stuff I gave you last time that when you did it, your pain went away. I mean, why wouldn't you be doing that all the time? You're here. You're paying me money because you're in pain. But, <laughs> but, I, but I, I don't necessarily talk like that. It's like, okay there's that old cream song, you know, what kind of fool are you? So like, what kind of fool am I? What kind of fool is this? Is this a, is this a go getter? Like, is this a runner that is not going to stop running or, you know, they don't feel good about themselves if they don't run 10 miles, five days a week. Like I think you could back off to three miles or what can you do? And some, so some people you got to threaten them. Some people you got to cajole them. Some people you really got to praise them, you know, you're doing so great. Yeah, it doesn't hurt when you do that. See, you're doing so great. So it's just a matter of what what kind of fool you are or, you know, who you're dealing with. Yeah. Yeah, you have to pick your battles, right? That's a, that's a people thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What am I going to focus on here? Some people, uh, they'll never get exactly what I'm trying to say, but so what? None of us looks like the poster, you know? Like, that's why we make goals, like, OK, what are your goals? Your goals are to put away high dishes in a high shelf, drive for 20 minutes and sleep. I don't care if you do it exactly perfect. If you can do that stuff with no pain, then, then we did it, you know. Or I could probably work at I could probably work on everybody at the grocery store for a year if I, <laughs> you know, if I was trying to get so uh, granular with everything. So um, what people? want out of it also steers what we do you know
0: yeah some people probably want to just get good enough that they can go back to what they were doing i think that's realistic a, a lot of people want that yeah well especially if it's a job related thing right and sure. people are like i'm injured i can't do the work that i need to do so get me good enough that i can go back to work for and sure And if it happens again we'll reassess
1: yeah and you know there's that there's that safety aspect of uh Okay, you're, you're better enough. Now, keep doing this or else you're going to have to come back and see me. <laughs> or, yeah, you're not going to do it every day anymore because you don't hurt. But put it in your schedule to do it twice a week or you will be back. You know? That's the craziest
0: phenomenon is people will do it until they start to see the results from doing it and then stop doing the thing that gave them those results. Yeah, That's got to be frustrating.
1: Sometimes they're getting better slow and then we figure it out and they're getting better real fast and then they're getting better slow again. Like, what what happened? Oh, I don't know. I felt better, you know? So I stopped doing it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So then it's part of knowing your patient too, you know, with some of them that only understand clear stuff. I'll be like, well, you could keep paying me. (laughs) What? Or not not keep paying me or you could just do your homework. You don't really need me at this point. You know how to do this. Uh, some people want their handheld. I don't know. I mean, this is people. It's like people hiring a personal trainer,
0: but their diet is just dog shit. Like, yeah, you could do, you, I mean, you can keep doing that, but if you're trying to go where it looks like you want to go, you're going to have to
1: put in some homework. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Uh, you know, movement is cool. Movement positioning. um this, this depends on what you want. You know, if you're a writer, maybe you don't care about a lot of exercise. Maybe you just need a minimum that can keep you riding and not gaining neck pain and, you know, pinched nerves and stuff. So a certain amount of activity is good for everybody, but not everyone is going to try to be a marathon runner or something. And you don't have to try and push them into that. You know, it's, it's kind of figuring out where they are and what their goals are with runners and knee injuries
0: is a lot of that from running on pavement that's one of the arguments that i've heard that if you were running on sand or on dirt or on a track where you have a little more the ground's a little more spongy you wouldn't see those injuries but i've also heard that it's the shoes that those thick soles are causing people
1: to blow out knees there's a lot of factors sure running on a harder surface is harder on you it it just is Your shoes matter, you know. How much Lo- you weigh. Sure, how much you weigh. Uh, you know, a couple decades ago, all the running shoes had the thick heel. Then it turns out that that's a thick pivot point when you hit it. knocks your foot down. Uh, there was a big craze of flat foot running, trying to wear those minimal sole shoes and, and not go heel toe. And it really just depends on, on, the, on the case. You watch someone and see what works for them. Uh, The guy that holds the world records in marathon is totally pronated and he's a flat foot runner. He's not a heel-toe runner. But he set all the records and he doesn't have any more injuries than any of the other runners. So I guess that's what works for him.
0: But We just don't really know a lot.
1: We're still learning. Yeah, we're still learning. You know, a meniscus tear in a knee, getting surgery is a 50%... Success rate, like, okay. So sometimes it's probably like trying to get that runner to stop running. Well, you've had surgery, so stop running for a little bit. Um, we're still learning. Yeah, we're still learning. And um, let's see. I went into PT school in the late 90s, and, and the 90s started the evidence-based era. And it only are, started in the 90s? That's not very long ago. It was all kind of old wives tales, don't pop your fingers, it'll give you arthritis. I remember that one, yeah. Some mom made that up because she doesn't like her kid popping their fingers. I mean. People adamantly would say that. Yeah, there's no, I've never seen any evidence of that. So we should be in the evidence-based era. Whatever people are doing in the clinic, it should be based on evidence. And that doesn't mean only articles. That means articles and your understanding of the material and, and like a blend of them. Uh, but, you know, this is uh, the 20s. That, this is 30 years. Uh, evidence-based practice should be anybody that does any kind of job, like mine, doctor, nurse, physical therapist, whatever, chiropractor, they should be paying attention to evidence and knowing what articles that their stuff is based on and be able to discuss it you know your your clinical judgment is important but it should be based based on that is that something
0: that you think the field is still trying to catch up to is the changing evidence
1: um newer newer professionals adhere to it pretty well older professionals either do or they just do what they've always done and they're happy with that but Uh, I don't know. Um, You know, COVID was a big topic, and coming out of the evidence-based era, I want to see some evidence on all sides. If you say this, let's see your studies. If you say this, let's see your studies. Let's get both of you to talk about this. Why don't you compare studies so we can actually know what's going on? You know, um, when you do my job, Uh, When I went from being a physical therapist to being an owner, I thought I would have a hat and then put on a second hat, but it's really more like 10 hats, (laughs) 10 more hats. So one thing I have to do is marketing, you know? Um, uh, Three physical therapy clinics failed and shut down in Arcata, which is where I am in the two years before I opened. So you can do it wrong. And so then I opened and uh, I think we had two clinics and we got about eight now. So there is, there is some competition and, um, you know, you could be great all you want, but if nobody comes to see you, it doesn't matter. So, so marketing is part of what we do. And um, where was I going with that? What were we talking about right before that? Changing information, changing practices. Yeah. So, uh, one of the one of the marketing guys that I pay attention to is Simon Sinek. S i n e k. Simon Sinek. A uh, lot of great marketing ideas. Um, and he said couple years ago you know the the age of the narrative is is on us um you know let's say 15 years ago the people that could program that computer or the people with that technical knowledge or the people that could mill that piece of metal just right they were valuable because we can't do it without them a lot of science is well established now how to mill that this is a sheet go down the thing you know and so If only one person knows how to mill this piece of metal for this bike or whatever, they've got a sustained competitive advantage. A competitive advantage is what any business person wants. And you want a sustained competitive advantage uh, so that you can plan your resources and how you want to do it. Well, if you have the technology and you're the, and it's a sustained competitive advantage is sustained because it's hard to get that. If I've got a new treadmill, I might have a competitive advantage. It's not sustained, though, because the other players could just go buy a treadmill. Now we, now we both have them. So, you know, in this era that we're coming out of into the era we're in now, it was, it was science. It was, it was technical abilities that, that created, uh, you know, supply and demand. Well, I have this and you need it. Now that, that a lot of that stuff is more widespread is what Simon Sinek says. It's more the narrative. You've got you've to sell it. You've got to get people to pay attention to your piece of metal that you meld milled because there's a bunch of people doing that. And so, uh, you know, from a business standpoint, that's good for us to note. From a social standpoint, that's terrible. Like (laughs) I want I want the scientific, technical people deciding what to use, you know, which vaccine to use, which whatever to use. And I want that to be known and on the table. I want us to all see that, you know, it shouldn't be a mystery. There's I mean, there's, uh, evidence is not evidence. You know, there's, there's grading criteria, and you can, can look it up, like eight criteria of good research or 10 criteria, whatever people use. You know, whether the, um, where the sampling is blinded or, you know, there's lots of things that make good evidence or bad evidence. And we should be able to get good evidence on whatever the new thing is, you know, whether it's heart disease or, or COVID or whatever it is. Okay, let's talk about it, you know. Let's lay it out and know because, the, you know, the age of the narrative might just knock back that age of science a little in a way that we don't like.
0: Well, yeah, I think I COVID like. showed us a lot of that. Yeah. Of, of competing narratives and science being fallible in some ways. Or not even science, but yeah, humans being fallible. Yeah,
1: the experts said this. Well, where's their article they based it on? Because they're not smarter than me or you or whoever, they're just, they know about that topic. So how'd you get there, you know? And I should be able to explain how I got there with my physical therapy stuff, you know? So it's a, it's a thing that I have my eye on right now. Narrative is important. It is, but it's not the only thing. Do you think that was happening with PT as people were kind
0: of guarding research to try to maintain that advantage or?
1: I think in PT, it's just a, it's just a progression of, uh, uh, that has, I would say the research component in, in clinical practice for physical therapy, it's a matter of the people that didn't come up in that era don't have those habits. The people, people that have come up in this era, they need to stick to what they were taught and not just get comfortable and do what they always did. So now we're back to people stuff, you know, who's going to do that? I think a lot of, of newer PTs do do that, you know. My my uh, gal that's out of school one year, I can't just tell her this is the best thing. She wants an article. Here's the article. That's why it's the best thing. I'm like, yeah, that's good.
0: <laughs> but that's good to have that. To yes. Have somebody said, hey, okay, let's look at the research again. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm her mentor maybe, you know. Uh, she did an internship with me. I went out of my way to make sure she could do an internship. She's from back east, uh, well, the middle, Indiana. She's from Indiana, but she just loves the west coast and she loves it here so she called me and wanted to do an internship i made sure that she could i i was her host and um and then she has decided to come work for me even so she's not going to just believe me you know she wants to see the evidence i think that's that's great you know that's great
0: well it keeps you sharp too You're sure like, okay let's double check let's make sure this is still the best method to be using
1: you know that's a that's a great point because um uh, I think you mentioned Joe Rogan once. And he said something I thought that was really cool. He's like, uh, you know, I got to be careful about believing things, especially if I want to believe it. If I want to believe it, that's when I for sure have to be critical. You know, oh, this falls into my narrative. Yep, I was right. Well, don't just do that, you know. You owe it to yourself to make sure that you're using critical thinking and, and, um, and get into a functional conclusion, you know, a conclusion that we – that we can at least all somewhat agree on that, that this is what's happening, you know?
0: Yeah, that confirmation bias gets a lot of people. It's easy to slip into that. You, yeah. just, you have this preset condition of the way you want it to turn out, and then you just kind of slide everything to fit that. And, well, oh, turned out I was right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you got to be careful. Plus, things change, you know? Whatever you learned, that might have been great then, but we're learning more and more, and you know, that's part of it. In my job, you're liable anyway. Whether you do a good job or a bad job, you're liable. So you probably should do a good job of making sure you know what you're doing, you know. And nobody's great at everything, you know. If uh, someone has cerebral palsy, I've worked on it before, you know, I learned about it. I could probably come up with something, but I bet there's someone better than me at that, you know. If your neck hurts, come see me, you know. I know how to do it. I drove from Fresno to Sacramento, once a week for a year on a Wednesday night to take this manual therapy course and, um, you know, a lot of necks and backs and stuff. So I know what's under my hands. I'm not guessing with that, you know? Um, but that's part of this class I'm going to teach and Ollie is shopping. You know, it's like anything. you want shoes or shirt, you're going to go to eat, you look at the reviews. What? Nobody likes this place. I'm gonna go somewhere else, you know? So, um, I think, um, Was I talking about right before that? You were talking about Ollie, the class. Ollie, yeah. So so Can you say what Ollie is for people uh, who don't know. Usher lifelong learning. I don't know what the I part is. Usher lifelong Institute. learning. Institute. So many universities around the country have this program. Osher, I don't know who Osher was, but he must have been a like a benefactor. So I don't know what the number is, a third or a half. A lot of a lot of colleges have this Ollie Usher Lifelong Learning stuff. And it's Intended for seniors, it's not like, uh, you know, I'm going to take biology two times a week for a semester. It's more like the history of Humboldt County, and maybe it'll be taught on two Saturdays, or, uh, you know, Chinese politics, or what, whatever the, someone wants to teach. And then it gives uh, mostly seniors a chance to go learn about stuff. So, so, yeah, in that, I'm teaching them how to shop, you know. What is physical therapy? Call them. They're not going to like it, but insist you know, if you have something really important and you haven't gotten any help with it, insist to talk to someone. Do you know how to do this, right? If you ask me, hey, are you good at cerebral palsy? I'll say what I just said. You know, I've studied it before. I can come up with something, but I'm not the best. Are you good at next? Yes, I'm the best. Come see me. So you you need to, you know, it's not all the same. You need to know kind of what you're getting into. and in that, And in that way, reputation, you know, it does help. You know, if you if you hear of a place that people like going to and they usually have good results, then you want to go there. But it's worth asking. And, you know, we're all too busy. We don't want to take that call. We're, <laughs> we're doing stuff. But it's worth, it's worth making that call because, you know, uh, I mean, how many people? I've, they've been to three or four other people. Now they came to me and they finally got better because they have the thing that I'm good at working on, you know. What do
0: you make of chiropractors?
1: Oh, you know, you're asking the 49ers if the Cowboys are any good. But, um, you know, a certain amount of my patients say that their chiropractor helped them quite a bit. Uh, those are my two answers. So, you know, a certain amount of my patients say uh, chiropractors help them quite a bit. I'm going to have to think that, they, that a certain amount of them are effective and know what they're doing. Uh, at the same time, my, my experience with chiropractors has been you go in and they say you're out of alignment no matter what you have. But to me, that's what an evaluation is for. Let's see why you can't raise your arm. Is it because your rotator cuff is weak or painful? Or is it because your shoulder blade's in a bad position? Or is it because you got burnt in a fire 10 years ago and your skin has melted down onto your muscle? That's not alignment. We got to loosen this scar to get you to move, you know? So a little jab at them, but you know i wanna i wanna I wanna see what the problem is and then work on it, not decide ahead of time it's because you're out of alignment and um I think the better chiropractors know that and do that you know um there's you know there's all kinds of people in every field, but I- I've seen this ad you know treat seven hundred people in a day on like on the back of the the industry magazine. What does that mean? How many is that in an hour <laughs> so but there's, there's people like that, I think, in, in every field. So my answer is uh, some of them probably know what they're doing.
0: A diplomatic answer. It's, an, it's interesting because didn't it start by some guy who was a fraud or something and said, oh, I just came up with this thing? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, a weird, it's, it's weird that you could just, you just start cracking people and then they get better.
1: Popping a joint feels good even if it's not hurt. That's why people crack their knuckles because it feels good. That's a good point. So it's a nice overlap of those two circles that it just feels good. So you came in and you hurt and I popped some of your joints and that felt good.
0: Yay. I don't know. <laughs> a massage feels pretty good too, but. It does. I don't know if I would go to that for a shoulder injury. Well, that's the other thing. Injury.
1: Someone's stroking your hair feels good. So you come in like, that's why we asked them like, okay, what's wrong? You, I can't drive. I can't put my dish on a high shelf. I can't sleep. Okay. Let's tailor it around that, you know. Let's see why. What's happening here mechanically? What's happening in your uh, your behavioral setup at home, you know. Okay, well, why are you putting your sugar that you use every day on the high shelf anyway? And then the wok that you never use, or maybe every three months, why is that in the front, you know. Why don't you put that up on that high shelf, and then you can get a stool and get that when you need it, and just have your sugar right here, and then maybe your shoulder won't hurt, you know. It's a lot, it's... I'm throwing some words around, but, you know, it's 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 movement. It's it's movement and positioning, you know, and it's not always necessarily fitness or strength. It's, you know, how does this thing work? We got this body, how does it work? And um, it's behavioral, you know. A lot of it is just how you're doing stuff. You know, one of the things people get is... Uh, I mentioned I went to Folsom. Folsom Physical Therapy is that place in Sacramento that I drove once a week for a year. And uh, one of the things they found is, like, this guy had his, his elbow was sore. It only was sore when he was driving. Because he rested it there and pushed it against this thing every day all the time. That's not weakness or stiffness. He doesn't need to stretch or do exercises. He needs to stop doing that. He just can't take that anymore. you know, and one of the instructors there, a soccer, very fit guy, my like, used said kneel, and uh, at, at Folsom, it's cement with a thin carpet. And so we all kneel and we're learning whatever we're going to do, and then we go do it. He's like, "Yeah, you said kneel all the time, and now I can't anymore. I don't have a meniscus tear i didn't I didn't." blow out my acl i just can't kneel anymore that hurts my knees to be in that position and so sometimes tissues just get tired of something that's too repeated you know or maybe they're just they're over that okay so so he doesn't kneel anymore he does it different do you what do you make of stem cells for issues like that uh stem cells are changing everything especially uh you know a lot of athletes are more motivated to get that and uh uh, you know, it's not, it's not my field. It's not what I'm great at, but, um, there's a lot of regulations in the U S and I, I mean, I hear of stem cell tourism, people going to other places. It, yeah. South America, there's a big push for it. Uh, Daniel Cormier is an MMA fighter Yeah, and, um, he's retired now, but he had this thing on his outer shin, you know, the main bone there is your tibia and the little, uh, sidekick and the, in the sidecar of the motorcycle is your fibula there on the side. And there's a spot where your sciatic nerve comes down and a little branch of it hooks around that thing and goes down the front of your shin. And uh, he had, if I have this right, he, he had torn that ligament or something where the little fibula connects into the tibia and he was just having these knee problems that wouldn't go away. And I was thinking, you need to stop probably doing MMA for a little bit and let that heal because... I don't know if I explained it very well, but it didn't seem like a thing that you could just do some exercises and stretches and get rid of, you know, it was mad. He went and got some stem cells, uh, injected into that ligament. And three or four weeks later, it was, it was over. It just healed. He was done. So uh, it was a learning moment for me, you know, even though I, he wasn't my patient. I'm like, Oh, okay. So this is just changing everything. Uh, I saw a surgery. I watched a local surgeon, uh, doing a rotator cuff repair. And, um, when they got there, they took some blood, went and spun it down, um, and brought it back and they made this like goopy patch. And so, um, usually you don't want to challenge a repaired tendon, right? Tendon is from bone to muscle. So muscles move bones with tendons. Usually you don't want to challenge a tendon that has been repaired for six weeks because you'll rupture it. So, you know, they're immobile, they're not moving it. Uh, but this surgeon, he, um, he took this uh, goopy patch of blood uh, stem cells, all, you know, that they had pulled out of the guy's blood, plopped it on there. And he's like, they'll be able to use that in three weeks. So, cutting two or three weeks off of your immobilization, that's great. That's a pretty significant yeah, change. Yeah, yay, science, right? You have heard about people using that
0: for shoulder injuries, for. Disc injuries mm-hmm. and it's just it's it's crazy that it's not here that we have some aversion to it in the states,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know uh, the u s healthcare system is a, a is big flawed. topic yeah. this is a big topic, you know, like i don't know we we see medicare, I'm happy to see medicare it's fifty percent seniors here they've cut what they pay us every year the last four or five years, you know um I'll, I'll, I'll come sometimes switch back and forth between physical therapy and business, but uh, the, best, the best businesses are medical products and, um, and IT products. That's like a 43% profit. That's great. The worst businesses are airlines. That's only a 5% profit. So even though it costs a lot to fly, it costs a lot for them to fly you. And so around the country, physical therapy profit is about although in the past few years it has come down. And so, you know, Medicare is charging more for their premiums for the people that have Medicare and they're cutting what they pay us. And there's a thing called MIPS, M-I-P-S. It's a program where they want us to report what we do. We're not reporting on, on how much we got people better. We're reporting on what we do. Um, information that we talk about. They just want to know what we're doing. And the people that report the best can get a bonus. You get, you get paid it, I think, three years later for that year. The people that don't do the best get dinged. The money gets taken from the people that got dinged to give to the people that get the bonus. Now, we're not even talking about how much percent of my weight is in my bottom or whatever anymore. We're talking about bean counting. I mean, I'm, I understand that they, they want to track what we're doing. So how could we make it better? But you can't pay us less and then make us spend a bunch of time paying attention to st- something that doesn't even have to do with this, you know? So, uh, that's, that's something for physical therapy that, that we deal with, you know, like, uh, we used to have a physical therapy assistant. So a physical therapy assistant also goes through a school, like we go through a a program, and then they pass a test and they're a paraprofessional. So they can't do the initial evaluation, but they can do any treatment that we can do. Medicare decided that they're going to pay them 15% less for what they do. Well, if you're thinking about our 12% profit margin, you know, out of nowhere, it costs me more to put on a visit that the physical therapy assistant does than I make. Well, why am I going to do that? And so, unfortunately, this lady came in on a Monday and discovered that, you know, 50% of her patients she can't work on anymore. So she went from four days to two days. That didn't work for her, of course. And so she moved on, you know, to something else. And I probably won't use PT assistance anymore because they just decided that they're going to pay less for it, you know. Uh, so it, it's an ongoing thing, and you got to pay attention to what they're doing. But um, A lot of people are going to cash only, you know, they're getting away from, I mean, I could probably spend an hour if I could get what I wanted to get for cash pay and not care about, I mean, the the laws, the regulations, every, every state has its own regulations. You get your license from that state. So California has clearly laid out what their regulations are and what they say is legal. I just would like to do that. Because every payer, Medicare and all the other ones, they have a bunch of other rules too. Oh, we don't pay for that. We don't do this. You have to fill out this weird form. We'll give you five visits and then you have this complex thing to figure out. And for the most part, patients don't know. You know, it's uh, they care about their job and their kids and whatever they're doing. You know, maybe they're going on a vacation somewhere or their shoe is wearing out. They got their own concerns. And so it's a lot of work to go try and figure all that stuff out. And your neck hurts, you know. I think at at clinics that are on top of it, we're helping explain that, too. You know, it's a hard job for us, but if we can help them understand that better, too, then, then, you know, that's one of the benefits they get. Are a lot of these changes just
0: cost-saving measures by the insurance companies? Yes.
1: Yes. The Blue Cross has paid $75 a visit since 2000, 2002, something. It has not not gone up. Uh, All my expenses are going up, you know. Uh, Raising the minimum wage is great if you make minimum wage. But um, certainly, you know, I have to rethink how we do things then. Because as much as I love physical therapy, I'm not going to do it for free, you know. Well, I do see one pro bono patient at a time, but, you know, it has to be worth all this effort. So that's a trade-off. Yeah, it's it's cost-saving, and, um, you know, they're managing risk. You have a patient, they're hurt. They need what I do. I do this, and I need money. It's a great exchange. What do insurance companies do? They manage risk. Well, where's the risk? You can't even see it in the equation. Now, certainly, if someone could pay five or six or $700 a month, and then when they get really hurt, they don't have to pay $30,000, that's super. You know, I'm not saying it's not important, but them being in the equation changes how we can treat. And, you know, I've had hour-long visits, I've had 30-minute visits, right now we have 40-minute visits. And that's enough time to do some good work and also cater to what some of the insurances want, you know. So it's an issue, though, because people don't always want to pay out-of-pocket, or maybe they can't, you know. And maybe it's a matter of, uh, well, we're going to see you less times but we'll give you what you can do at home. It's, it's happening right now. This, this industry right now is up in the air. And, um, you know, I always go back. What we're doing is valuable. I had a lady, uh, 25, uh, I will say attractive young lady. She told me she had a 10 out of 10 headache for seven years. That's like 18 to, that's your, those are your good years, right? She had a 10 out of 10 headache all those years. And so I got rid of her headache and showed her what to do, and she never came back. So we solved that. I feel good about that. That's valuable. That's, you know, a good sandwich tastes good. A car that goes fast and doesn't break down is good. Tall trees are good. That's good. It's a good thing, you know. But if you sell $6 sandwiches, you can sell $8 sandwiches if everything goes up. And I can't really control the price that I get paid because insurances decide that for the people that we see insurances from. So, you know, you could try and argue with them or this is all a thing that's, that's up in the air right now. What physical therapy looks like now is different than it did five years ago. And it's going to look a lot different five years from now, you know,
0: what happened with that girl? What was wrong? Why was she having the headache?
1: Uh, let me think if I can say very much about that. I think I, she has HIPAA privacy, so I don't want to give away telltale things, but, um, I think it's okay to say this she had a crooked pelvis those two ridges of muscles that go up your spine they go from your sacrum to your head and so her pelvis was crooked and it created a spasm in the muscles that are associated including that one that ended on her head so I got her pelvis even I got her show her how to keep her pelvis even got rid of that spasm in her head and and uh, her headache and TMJ went away Right, so we're looking at this whole, it's not your shoulder, right? It's this whole thing. Well,
0: that's the crazy part, is you could be having shoulder pain and then, oh, actually it's connected to your leg because some, you know, some nerve's messed up or something's wrong.
1: Yes. Yeah. From my end, that's the fun part.
0: Well, you're problem solving. Yeah. like putting a puzzle together.
1: Yeah, like sleuths. How do you identify that? Are you looking at MRI scans or... or there's the art and the science. The science is the same for all of us. The art is how you apply it. And for me, I look at feet and pelvis first. I mean, if you pulled back on your dog and tore your rotator cuff, it was that. But if you don't know, and, you know, doctor sent you a referral that said shoulder pain, rotator cuff, and I say, where does it hurt? And you say, here. That's not your rotator cuff. That's your neck and your shoulder blade, right? So I'm, I'm problem solving. So a lot of... A lot of how you look at it depends on what they tell you. But if it's a, if it's a mystery that I'm solving, is the, are the, is the pelvis even and are the feet even on the ground? And from there, how's this all stacking? Yeah. Now let me see, you, you know, what's the thing that bothers you? Let me see you do it, you know? Hurts getting in my car. Okay, let's go out to your car. Let's see how you get in your car. Uh, okay, see so you're flinging your leg over there. Can you instead turn and put your bottom down there and take your two legs together? So a lot of times it's not some earth shattering, wow, it's just a little tweaking, you know, a little tweaking. Changing some pattern, altering some movement to
0: something else. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, and for me, um, exercise, if we're if we're talking about that, has been a kind of a mixed thing in my life. You know, I started playing sports when I was six. I played football for Fresno State. Um, I've... Did martial arts for years, and uh, you know, I'd be at Gold's Gym for like five hours. Oh, what about this muscle? What about that one? And I liked doing that, um, but one of the things I did when I was a teenager is uh, 1,500 full sit-ups a day. It used to take me 30 minutes. 1,500? Yeah. A day? Yeah. In one setting? No. I would break it up into three settings. Altogether, it took me 30 minutes you know, in the morning I'd do four or 500, somewhere in the middle of the day I was the big one, I'd do eight, eight or 900, and then whatever was left I would do later in the day. So that made me feel good because I looked good, have veins in my stomach and all that, but um, that's part of what got my hip flexors so tight that that got my pelvis crooked. And so, you know, I was running, I'd run four or five miles a day, and, you I'm like, I'm not running straight. Like something wrong with me, whatever. I'm just going to do it, you know? And um, so I tore my meniscus. I had knee surgery. And, you know, this one particular time, um, I was in pain when I was doing all that weightlifting, but I didn't realize it. I didn't know I was feeling anything other people don't feel all the time until I got rid of it. And so the, like, the, big, the big pivot point where I changed was uh, I was starting to walk across a, a street and a car was coming, not real fast, but a car was coming. So I went to run, and I got this pain, and I almost fell down in front of the car. And um, so I'm like, okay, I got, I gotta, I gotta check these exercises I'm doing, and so I backed way off of it really. And it's just been a process of, of, uh, of figuring out, you know, your, your hip should go backward 40 degrees. Like a right angle is 90 degrees. A healthy hip should go backward 40 degrees. And your rear end is what pulls it back there and your hamstrings and the muscles. I couldn't even get to zero, much less backward. So here I'm doing all this hard exercise with terrible mechanics that I don't, I can't see myself, I can't work on myself. So I really backed off a lot of those exercises, but um, I've had people work on me now. And unfortunately, with this sacroiliac thing, I figured out something was wrong when I was 23, and I figured out what to do about it when I was 31. So eight years of going to doctors, nurses, chiropractors, whoever, physical therapists, literally everyone made me worse. And I was like, okay, let's do a straight leg raise, which is a pretty basic low back thing. And I'm like, I can do that, but it's going to hurt a lot. Well, if you don't want me to help you, all right. Are you going to be able to make this stop hurting after I do it? So I would do it. They don't know what to do. Now nah, I'm in pain for a day and a half. So I was a little leery of medical help. And um, there was a guy here, Patrick, he did, um, I think he called it uh, functional integration, but it's a take on, uh, on rolfing. On rolfing is a, a deep... Um, fascial mobilization system this lady ida rolf in the early i don't know 40s 50s um, she was a doctor and she did yoga and she did this developed this rolfing thing anyway he was the first one that that didn't didn't hurt me <laughs> so he worked out a lot of this scar tissue i had developed over all those years of working out wrong and so now i can do a lot of stuff like before i'd try to ride a bike i'd have a headache within 2 minutes Now I ride my exercise bike before work every day, 30 minutes. I do my stretches. So I'm, I'm building back into what can I do, you know, and not, I'm out of shape. I need to start running and then have my back and my knee and my neck hurt and then quit and then go, I'm out of, oh, I need to start running. I'm out of shape. And then my knee and my neck. So I'm finally on a little bit different course than that and being able to stretch and and do stuff that doesn't mess me up and also makes me better.
0: Was that a form
1: or mobility issue for you? Um, I illustrate it. Your pelvis looks like this. Comes together in your pubic and you have a sacrum right here. And these things pivot a little. Your hips come out and go down and your, and your spine comes up to your head, right? This pelvis is supposed to wobble a little as we walk and run. It's not supposed to get way crooked. But it's a common injury because the muscles that hold it together, uh, it's not just ligaments. Uh, you know, any, any joint any joint stability is a, is a, a combination. I'm going to get in the weeds a little. Stop me if you need to. No, no, go ahead. It's a combination of passive support, ligaments, joint structures, things you can't control that just do their job, and active support, which are muscles, which you can control. And muscles are also on autopilot, but you can also can control them. So. It's an odd thing, whatever you believe you can ask when you get there, why it's like this, but um, there's some wobble in these right sacroiliac joint, left sacroiliac joint, and pubic joint. There's some wobble in there. They're supposed to be. But healthy muscles that are not injured hold it together. As soon as you get um, injured, pain in that area, pain turns off muscles. If you have a nail in your bicep, you can't raise your arm. Now, some people train their brain to overcome that, but it's a safety system in our body. It inhibits things that are hurt, so we don't use them. So, if you get any pain in this midsection, uh, had a baby, got your appendix out, um, usually you rake one yard, but you rake two yards and you're a little sore, you get a little bit of pain there and it shuts off the muscle that holds your pelvis together. And then that creates a sequence of problems. So for me, I remember when it happened. I was doing up-downs in high school football. We did something wrong. We were being punished. So it's to a push-up position, hop back up to your feet, right? It pulled. Of course, you know, nobody... I went to Del Norte High. I was born in Garberville. When I was 10, I moved to Crescent City. So I'm a local boy. So, um, you know, I'm at Del Norte, and, and nobody... Nobody knows what's wrong. What what's wrong with you? N- nothing. I'm going to keep running, you know. But that's when it started and it hurt and it got crooked and it got into this whole shortened thing that's been, uh, you know, the the physical story of of my life of how I'm managing this thing and and getting better. What was it just the movement
0: that tweaked out for you?
1: Um yeah. Because when you jump down into a push-up position and try to hop up, you're pushing with your arms and you're also flexing your hips forward. So if you were to stand straight and kick your foot forward, that's flexion. And so without being able to show you, it's hard to explain, but your pelvis has your femur, your thigh bone, hooking into it. And your thigh bone, with all that leverage going that way, when you raise it, it counts on your pelvis being an anchor and staying together. Uh, but it does challenge it. So, how sore was I at the end of football practice? I don't know. Like, not anything that would stop me, but there is some pain. Did that knock out those muscles? I don't know. You know, it's been a little while. It's been so, a little it while.
0: wasn't the strenuous working out that was causing a problem was when you we were specific- lifting weights. It was this thing, and then just the compounded effect after yeah. years of yeah. not Yeah, so, my,
1: so my iliopsoas on my rectus femoris, those are hip flexing muscles. They're spasming because my pelvis is crooked. They're spasming, and I even played college football. I could dunk a basketball. I did all this stuff with my adductors and my calves more than my butt because that stuff was inhibited for me, and so, you know, a squat— that would be healthy for anyone else, I couldn't really do the position right, but I would do it anyway, you know? So it's not that working out is bad, is that I had a specific thing and a lot of those common workouts were not good for me, but I didn't have any, I didn't have me to coach me through it, you know?
0: Yeah, how many people are in that spot where they're still just pushing through the movements? Like, "Ah, that's all right. Feels a little off, you know, I've got some back pain, but everybody probably feels that.
1: Yeah, there's a certain amount of people, you know, that there's there's those people that you have to back off and those people that you have to motivate. When did it
0: get, it was the car, that was the moment where you realized, oh, I need to address this, almost getting hit. Yeah,
1: and I was probably 26 or 27. Like, this isn't good enough. I'm running sideways, whatever. I got things to do. I can ignore that. But almost getting run over by a car, I can't ignore anymore. I have to... I have to go figure this out, you know?
0: And it's crazy that this happened all the way back in high school.
1: And then you're just, yeah. I I mean, I still, I still worked out a, a lot until probably 26. I was still at the gym a lot. After that, I started doing martial arts and, uh, I could make it work. I could make it work, you know, but, um, but as far as exercise, uh, running or or whatever that i'm i'm cautiously reapproaching that type of stuff so right now i ride my exercise bike and i stretch and then i probably need to start uh, some kind of resistance training but you know like if i do a push-up and my shoulders are like that the more push-ups i do sure the stronger i get but i also reinforce this bad shoulder thing i don't want that
0: is and, that a former? or do you have a shoulder injury that's causing that
1: um for me that was part of this crooked oh it was the whole chain yeah yeah um
0: would you if you were watching if the you now was watching the kid you that experienced this would it have been apparent to you that something was wrong for sure
1: i was textbook so
0: visually you can see okay something's not adding
1: up here yeah, if someone comes into my clinic and they say, oh, I'm hurting here, and when they walk, their right foot points out, I already know what the whole thing is. I could be wrong. I'm going to do my due diligence. But, oh, does your uh, pinky toe get numb? Yeah. Oh, are you tight right here? Yeah. Does this hurt? Yeah. You get headaches right here? Yeah. Comes down here? Yeah. And ladies will say, yeah, my shirt doesn't sit the same way on this shoulder. It's a, yeah, I've been trying to organize it all this time. And, um, and I teach it and it's not for everybody. One of my physical therapists is like, yeah, teach me that. And the other two are like, whatever, Uh, who cares, you know? So it's, it's, uh, something that I see predictably, you know, it's coming back to that evidence thing, right? Okay. Well, I started having admin three days a week about a year ago. I have never had any time to try and do any evidence type stuff. And, um, you know, I had to do a research project when I was in physical therapy school, but I don't generate research all the time. And it's really important how you design your research study, whether you're going to get the information that you think you are or not. And so I'm just a little uh, uncertain about it. I probably need a partner with someone, you know, because I'm documenting like what I see. I, I have kept pretty good track of what I see. But there's holes in what I do because I can't, like, for instance, um, uh, pain inhibits muscle. I've even been saying that in this podcast, pain inhibits muscle. I was taught that by neurologists at one point, and I had evidence, but I don't remember where it is. So, you know, it was 20 years ago. I should be able to look that up and find it, and I haven't been able to find it. Okay, so... There's some holes that I need to shore up, and some of that would be, ah, see, I was right. Here's some evidence. Some of that would be, maybe I'm not right. Maybe I need to pivot here. You know, maybe the evidence shows something else. But that's kind of where I am. Uh, I, I have a, you know, I have a program A, B, C, D. If if you have this and you do this, you'll get better. Uh, but I don't have as much evidence for it yet that I do need. Evidence supporting why that program
0: works? Yeah. when you say you're I'll, lacking evidence in um, terms of...
1: Yeah, what I want is something that would look like this. If you have this, 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 and this. If you have pain getting in and out of your car, in and out of your bed, your toe points out when you walk, you get headaches, your shoulder is forward, and you trip over your right toe all the time. And you um, are careful rotating or hiking your right hip you fix your pelvis the way I show you. As soon as it starts hurting, you do these clamshells and these other stabilization exercises that I give you. Eighty-three percent of the time, you're going to get better. That's what I want. I want. I want to count on it like that. And I just don't. I don't have that yet. But that's. So you had Dr. Whitney on your show, and she yeah, might. she's Dr. Uh, Whitney she, Ogle. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, and she like she thinks in those in those uh, research structures, you know? And so um, it's like, hmm, I need to find someone that can help me with the structure of it so that when I do it, because if I can get, you know, even one, this is all, this is all overlapping stuff, right? If I can get even one study that shows what I do, other people will start doing that too, to either disprove me or prove me, and then it'll build up. And there is sacroiliac and transverse abdominis. there is evidence, but exactly what I'm doing, I need at least one. And then I can teach Con Ed. You know, I can go to conferences and explain it. And then um, I can charge other therapists to come learn it from me. And the hardest thing up here is to get physical therapists. You know, we're in the middle of nowhere. We live here on purpose because we love it. But, you know, if someone just went to school for eight years and um, their wife wants a Gucci bag, we don't we You're don't not have getting that. that up here. No. <laughs> you know, so. It's hard to
0: get good medical care, period, up here. That's a whole topic
1: that is a whole topic. And uh matter of fact, that's worth pivoting to. Um, people that live here, we, we tend to love it. I mean, it's, it's not everybody's cup of tea. We live here for some reason, you know, we like outdoor stuff or we like open-minded people or whatever. And, um, we had done a terrible job of, of getting people up here. You know, my, uh, Joanna, I've been with her nine years and, um, She went to Humboldt, so she knows the area. Her dad, her uncle, her brothers, her son. Like, she has 10 family members that went to Humboldt. But she was living in Fremont, and um, we met at a high school reunion. She was my first girl that I asked out. I think we were 15, and maybe we held hands. But our lives, you know, went different directions. But we met at this this high school reunion. Wow, you're great. You're great, too. Where do you live? Fremont. Oh, (laughs) that's not close. And so, uh, you know, we had this long distance relationship for four years and then now she's been up here five years, but, um, you know, she, uh, she has had some medical issues, um, and heart even trying to find a doctor. There just, there's just no doctors, you know, she had to wait months to find a doctor, um. A 23-year-old, there's a 20 and a 23-year-old, he hit his head with some piece of metal and it was split. So she went to urgent care and they said, we don't work on faces. Oh, okay. She went to the uh, St. Joe or Providence um, emergency room and, you know, it's people peeing in their chair and yelling and he's not going to get taken for this. You know, there's people with their arm going wrong and Yeah, you've got a six-hour wait coming up. Yeah. Now, this thing's starting to heal or do its thing, right? So she left and went to Walgreens and got some of that liquid, cleaned it, and fixed it. Well, luckily, there's no scar. Luckily for me, there's no scar. You know, her baby duck, she doesn't want a scar on his face. So that and and some other things that are maybe personal for her, I won't get into, but, you know, she had a hard time um, getting in to see a gynecologist when she had uh, some lady stuff. And, I mean, she had to go to the Bay Area. You know, you can see someone for two months with a pretty serious thing. It's like, okay, we've got a, we've got a problem here. And uh, one of the goals at my clinic is we want to set the tone for customer service. You know, Mm -hmm. we're going to greet you when you come in. And I think we've all been to that office. I'll just say medical office. You walk in and they're like, sit down. No, no, I'm a customer. You know, you may not worry about having enough patients because there's just not enough people up here. But this is still what we're doing. I'm the customer, you know? And so I I look at this, uh, you know, this is part of my thing, you know, how do I I fix backs? How do I fix all these backs? Someone's better at that. You keep stepping back to this 50,000-foot view. I live here. I want to live here. We need better medical. What's so great about Redding? I mean, no offense if someone loves Redding, but what's so great about them? They have great medical. How'd they do it? What's so great about Medford? They have great medical. They have a great heart. If you have a heart thing, you're going to get flown to Medford. What's so great about that? They just, they did it. You know, if we want, if we want new doctors to come up here and love it and have their wife come up here that can't buy a, a Gucci bag, we need a new MRI machine so that, that they can trust it. You know, if you go to UC San Francisco or Stanford they're not going to accept an MRI from up here because our machines are old. Well, oh, that's not a comforting thought. No. And so, how, okay. So, so how do they do it? You know, how do they, how do they, how do they make, you know, we used to have logging and fishing and um, those things are down. And like, what are we here? I guess we, you know, we had cannabis for a while. Now everyone has cannabis. We didn't really seize that. Like Napa seized on the wine, you know, Napa wine. Oh, cool. We didn't really. That's another topic we can pivot to also, but, you know, we, we don't have, what are we? I guess tourism, you know? Um
0: Well, we should have seized on the weed thing. It just seems like not all the players at the table had the right intentions, you know? Yeah. Uh.
1: You know, I'm, I'm from Alder Point. I was born in Garberville. So like if anyone watches Murder Mountain on Netflix, I used to ride my bike up and down that road and- you know, it was a different place. Uh, I loved it in some ways, but in some ways, it was nuts. You know, and I live up here on per, you know, on purpose. <laughs> that, that's too nuts. Uh, but one thing I will say is that um, if you ever listen to those people talk back in the day, I, I don't know how it is now, but uh, you know, fly low. That's the thing to say, to fly low, right? You don't want your head up to get to get busted, right? And so these are people that are used to staying outside of the main circulation. Well, you know, I'm in physical therapy, and I did an internship at uh, American Physical Therapy Association in uh, Alexandria, Virginia. It's basically Washington, D.C., at the uh, Government Affairs Office. So I lobbied. I went to Congress. I went to senators. I went to hearings on Capitol Hill and took notes and made reports. And, you know, I want to know how this all works. And so Physical therapy is new. You know, we're only about 100 years old. Doctors have been around forever. You know, about 100 years ago, one of the do- guys came back from World War I. Hey, you get those crutches. And I think that's how physical therapy started. But, you know, we're, we're trying to, you couldn't come straight to a physical therapist without going to a doctor first in California until, uh, I don't know, six, seven years ago. I may be off on those dates, but that's new. And we worked on that since 1997. Is it not still
0: referral based? You could just go direct do you guys?
1: In California, you can go straight to a physical therapist for 12 visits or 45 days, whichever is first. If you still are needing care after that, you need a diagnosis from a doctor. That's an important word, diagnosis. So, diagnosticians do that. Uh, you know, pediatricians, physicians. Um, so, um. Yeah, I'm getting a little bit lost. Referral. Oh, so so these cannabis growers, um, they're not used to lobbying or, with, the, you know, keep your head down. Well, I saw how it all works. And, um, you know, we had a lot of success with our lobbying. And they're, you know, a little bit jaded also. Um, a few years ago, the year before we got it passed, um, we, uh, we got our bill. You know, you got to get someone to sponsor it. We sponsor our bill. Oh, uh, you having a fundraiser? Okay. How much is it a plate? 500. Okay. So if we get a plate at your fundraiser. We can come talk to your health liaison and introduce this. Three plates? Fifteen. How about two plates? Okay, we'll buy two plates. Two of us will be there, and then we'll, we'll show you our bill, you know, n- not at that time, but you just go talk. You say golf three times. Yeah, golf, uh-huh. And then here's our thing, and then the health liaison goes and looks at it, and they decide if they're going to sponsor it. Once you have a sponsor, you start calling other senators or whatever it is. Hey, we got a sponsor. Will you sign on to support it? Are you having a fundraiser? How many? A thousand. A okay, so then how many plates? So you get this whole thing, right? And they will introduce it into a, um, a committee. If it passes the committee, it'll go to the floor of whatever that is, the Senate. Passes there, go to the relevant committee on the House. This is California and US, work the same. And then it'll go to the floor of the House. If it passes there, go to the governor or the president, whatever. So that's that's how bills get made. It turned into law. And so, you know, we had we had this, it's called direct access coming straight straight to the physical therapist. So So we had this bill, we had it supported. It was in the Business and Professions Committee, I believe, and um, Elaine Chu, I might not be saying that name right, um, she was the chair of that committee. Four people showed up to vote. Three people voted for us, but she didn't. Her Her number one contributor was the California Medical Association, right? They want you to go to the doctor first. So she tabled it. We won the vote. But she tabled it, which means we'll look at that next year, which means we'll never look at that if we don't feel like it. I got a little jaded. Like, that was a lot of letters I wrote and got my patients to it's write. That's a lot of dinners you had to go do. Right. So I got a little jaded on the political process myself, but I understand how it works. And a lot of the cannabis people, they don't understand that. Look, you're, you can't fly low. Go buy some plates at their thing. And I think what they need is just some, some group to represent them or something, you know? Okay, yeah, we're with, uh, you know, the cannabis political good timers or whatever you want to call yourself. And you got to call their health liaison and buy some tickets to get a plate and go and have a, you have to have who you know, you have to have access. And then your stuff has to make sense, you know, and whoever you're talking to, it has to go along with what their agenda is. So I just don't think they have that, you know, this long story of starting to grow weed, the cops getting you hiding your weed, now we got helicopters, now this whole back and forth that led to legalization, um, they didn't know how to take this last step. You know, most, sure, there's some big ballers, but most of those people growing, they're, they're mom and pops that just want to have a good Christmas, you know, got a car that starts, we can go to Hawaii this year, we can have a good Christmas. That's really what most of it was. And so those those people just didn't know how to how to do it. And so, you know, uh, our 23 year old work at a dispensary. He said they had a $400 fee a day just to be open. Well, how many units do you have to sell just to make your fee? Much less payroll and rent and insurance. I don't even know what goes into that, you know? But um, if you ask growers, they're not making any money, three, four, 500 And if you look at dispensaries, I don't know how much money they're making either. Cause they're paying all these fees. So who's getting it? So, you know, that's how anything works though. That's how alcohol works. That's how cars work. Everything works that way. Physical therapy works that way. So it's this, it's this relationship with the government. (laughs) Yeah. Very one-sided relationship. Uh Uh-huh. So what leverage do we have on them? You know, we sent the letters, we bought the plates, Elaine's, what's her name? Still tabled our bill, you know? So what's our leverage? Uh, I'm not a communist. I'm going to throw that out. So without being communist, like, how do we get them to represent us? Because the leadership is, well, I'm, I'm really getting an apology. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Well, it's such the whole lobbying, especially, is such a grimy world. For sure. There's, uh, I don't know the exact numbers, 100 senators and whatever it is, is, four or 500 representatives. There's 5,000 lobbyists in Washington, D.C., and some of them have unlimited budgets. And unfortunately, as a lawmaker or a, a legislator or whatever now, um, you know, you have to pay. You might be better, but if you don't get your message out, no one knows. So spend most of your time scrounging up money to pay for your marketing so that you can be elected. Well, that's a, that's a tough situation, you know. I don't want to stop seeing Medicare. Uh, Right now, I have rearranged to where what they pay works for me, but I don't know what they're going to do, you know. Oh, we can't afford Medicare. I don't know. Yeah, it could change on the Why can't we? You know, you've been taking money out of my checks since I was young. I mean, there's fees that go to Medicare. And, you know, also, again, I'm getting political, but well, what are we spending this money on? You know, I was watching this thing. HBO used to have a show called Vice. And in Afghanistan, they were losing $600 million a year in stuff. Trucks and tanks and whatever. They were losing it because they weren't guarding it. They were just letting it be stolen so that they would have to buy $600 million more of it the next year. So they would just keep buying it from whoever makes that. They would put it there and not guard it. And then the Taliban would steal it and have it.
0: Starting to sound like the Afghanistan pullout we just had.
1: Yeah. So, you know, somewhere this politics, it works, it works for them. But, but, but what about us? You know, I mean, um,
0: I like how you preference that with I'm not a communist. I'm just, I'm just gonna put put not that a out communist. there. <laughs> I wanted to ask because you, you've worked at Mad River Hospital before you opened Humboldt Physical Therapy. Have you noticed? A change? I mean, did you feel like that was the right time to get out and go more private, start your own business? No, or,
1: I, I always wanted to. Uh, not to just pivot off of Afghanistan. Like yeah, that, we but, can do that. <laughs> um, when I was young, you know, my dad was a logger and my mom was a waitress. And my mom has since gone to a lot more school and, you know, it was young. It was kind of tough when I was young. So, but they would tell, you know, I was good at school. I was good at sports. And they would say, you know, why don't you study and you could be anything you want. You could be a doctor or a lawyer. So I'm studying, you know, I don't know what I'm going to be, doctor or lawyer whatever, but I'm trying to get straight A's and trying to get scholarships. and So I hurt my knee uh, my senior year of high school playing football and um, went, ended up having to have surgery on my meniscus and I went to physical therapy. So, uh, I asked the surgeon, I go, what's physical therapy? He goes, you'll see. It's like exercises. You'll see. So I go in there and here's this guy wearing a sweater, eating candy. And he's like, uh, do these exercises. I was like, okay. Then he left to go get some more candy. Then he came back and he's like, uh, all right, ride this bike. Then he went to go get some more candy. I'm like, this is great. <laughs> Smells like a doctor's office, but this guy's just wearing a sweater and eating candy. I could do that. And so, uh. The more I looked into it, the more it was just really a natural fit for me, though. And I didn't get right into PT school, so I had to really know why I wanted to do it, you know. So I had a pretty firm list of, like, this is why I want to do it. Uh, But I always wanted to have my own place. Um, I won't pivot on that, but that's a personality thing. Like, I I, just—I want to throw my dice. If it's good— I did good. If it's not, it was me at least. I'll try again. So, I always was looking for the right time. And uh, what I would say, if you want to have your own place, is you should go work at a hospital first because you're going to be where the buck stops. You know, if someone comes in my office and they're like, I'm dizzy, and I look at them and they're pale and they're sweating, we're not going to take it easy on their exercise. We're going to call an ambulance because they're having an MI, they're having a heart attack. You know, you have to know what that stuff looks like. And so, um, I wanted to work at a hospital first but uh i was in fresno and um a place where i had done an internship they uh they offered to show me how to open a place if i would stay and work for them certain amount of years so i did you know and they're like but you're leaving after this right (laughs) you're not gonna stay here and open one across the street right and i knew no one up here behind the redwood curtain would show me you know they would rather me not do that. And so uh, so I stayed with them for three years in Fresno, and I learned what I could from them. And then I came up and worked at Mad River Hospital. And um, back then, uh, you know, talking about insurance, so let's see, 2005, I moved up here, and, and I worked there for five years. So 2005, you know, I'm in my... Mid 30s, now I'm 38, now I'm 39. I'm like, you know, I've been talking about opening this place. If I don't do it, then I'm what do I even waste all my time for this for? But back then, um, they had a thing called PTPN, uh, Physical Therapy Provider Network. You would have to pay to be in PTPN, and then they would get you all the contracts with the private insurances. The problem was that they had a no compete clause. If you were the one that had the contract with them, you got all the patients. If you weren't, you couldn't get into it. And in this area, it was eight miles. So EPT was the big boy on the block. Eureka Physical Therapy is what they started off with. But they had an office in Eureka, Fortuna, and McKinleyville. So eight-mile radiuses around that, you know, I'm like, well, I guess Rio Dell, Or is there enough people in Trinidad? And there just really wasn't, you know. And so um there I was when I was thirty-nine. This all happened together. Um some of the major insurances pulled out of the PTPN. So you didn't have to be in PTPN, which you couldn't even get in. You didn't have to be in that to see them. One. And two, EPT closed one of their offices right there on Gentoli where I am now, where I had done an internship. And so um and so that sort of opened the door for me. I think I was 39. And then I, yeah, and then I, you know. It was a perfect series of events. Yeah, it was. I had been prepping, you know, getting all my um, risk pieces at the border. And then uh, the regulations changed and the stuff changed. So, so it worked out, yeah. Yeah, I was doing pretty good. You know, I, I made more money than when I was a staff therapist. I thought, oh, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. And then I started taking some business management classes and realized I'm doing terrible. If I was actually getting paid for what I'm doing, I'm losing money. Oh, no. So, uh, so you know, really diligent learning clinical stuff for all those years. And then probably the last four or five years, I've been learning more about business. And but I'm, you know, I'll never be done learning about it. But I, th- I think I know enough now where I need to kind of look in this clinical thing again, you know trying to get this sacred iliac. What what I would really like to do, um if I talk about it, then I guess it has to happen, but what I would really like to do is I learned from that um from that telehealth phase. You know, COVID of course it was no fun, but it brought on things too, you know, big big things like that create change that sometimes are positive, you know? I'm in my clinic, uh, I'm I'm taking up a certain amount of floor space. But if I could uh if I could figure out this sacroiliac thing well enough, like if you also have a back pain, if you also have hip arthritis, this isn't for you. But if I could get my my criteria really cleaned up and, and do evidence to prove it, um, I could do it online. A lot of what I do is manual now. I know that this muscle is not doing what it's supposed to. Let me work on it. But the real simple sacroiliac ones, they don't, I don't think really need that. And so then I could advertise all over California. I'm licensed in California right now. I'm working in Humboldt County. And if I, then, you know, I just need a room. I just need a room. I don't have to be in my clinic and I don't have to be here. Really. You know, I could be in Fremont. Yeah. I could be in Fremont. Um, you know, you just document where you are or I could be in Oregon, you know, I have to also get licensed in Oregon, but, um, you know, there's lots of ways to look at things and, um, you grow up learning from people that you look up to, and then sometimes you find out they don't know what they're doing. And so, <laughs> so I have this saying at work, you know, because we always did it, it's not a good reason to do it. What do we want to do, and what's the best way to do that? And uh, last April, I had 12 employees. Now I have eight. You know, I, I engineered that down. We're doing the same production. We're not, we haven't dropped off anything. Um, but, oh, we always used to do this. Well, well, why are we doing that though? Looks like we don't need to do that actually. Uh, I outsourced my billing. I did certain things, but um But yeah, that's ongoing and I think that applies probably to to everything, you know. Just looking at how you're doing whatever you do and what's the best way to do it. I'm obs- I'm obsessed with that.
0: Yeah, just because you've been doing it this way for a long time doesn't mean it's the best way. I had a guy in here who used to run the audio for me during these live streams for a period of time. And he would look, when I would be editing the podcast in post-production, he would look at what I was doing. He was like, why are you doing... I mean, I had detailed spreadsheets of how I broke down each podcast. And he's like, why are you doing that? I was like, oh, well, I was just, you know, time coding everything. And he's like, yeah, but why? Like, what are you... I'm putting a yeah. ton of time into this, and it adds no value. It doesn't go huh. out to anybody. I was doing it more for self-documentation of, okay, I clipped this part from this time, this is what we talked about, but it didn't translate to anything actually for the podcast, but I had gotten into this time loop of, oh, this is just what I do each podcast. I was like, okay, trim the fat. Yeah. Like, don't do this anymore. Yeah. But sometimes it takes that outside perspective of why are you, what what are we doing here? Why are you doing this?
1: Yeah. You know, in physical therapy, they'll teach you, you know, you got to do these eight tests. Well, these two are just going to make them worse if they have what I think. And- this i don't you know i was talking to him I don't, I don't think it's i'm gonna do these three tests if i don't find anything conclusive i'll do more but oh yeah da, 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 it is this okay now let's get to let's not waste 15 other minutes you know let's get right to what works what works you know that's what we should all be what works and how does it work the best that's what we should at least in my field what we should be doing you know i think
0: that's applicable to
1: every field yeah There's
0: trim the fat figure yeah. out how you can cut down what you're doing to what's really just necessary
1: yeah you know it's funny uh i'm gonna pivot a little but i, I play drums and uh, i've played since i was 10 are you you've got a band right yeah yeah it's called wild otis uh we just not my band but i'm in it uh we just played at the trinidad arts alive i don't think they call it that art night maybe uh august 26th we're gonna play again at mad river brewery in blue lake october 13th so When we're all healthy and we're going, we play about once a month, you know, and it's fun. When I first opened the office, I was like, Ooh, I don't know. Should I be doing this? Or like, I got to make sure this works. And I realized if I don't do something else, I'm going to think the same five thoughts all day. So it gives me, you know, a, a something else to do. But, um, in, uh, in January I was leaning back on my couch and I fell asleep with my head forward. And, um, and, uh, Little discomfort uh, that hurt, you know, and the PT at the office was able to get it to stop hurting. But after about a week, I had no strength in my arm. I was having to hold my elbow to brush my teeth. And uh, I think what happened was uh, one of my vertebrae slipped forward and stretched the capsule that holds it in place. And so my muscles shut off because pain inhibits muscles. And my shoulder blade was hanging down and stretched all my nerves. So that's as least fun as it sounds. <laughs> but uh, I got all my neck muscles and shoulder blade muscles back working. But the thing, one of the things that bothered it most was playing my hi-hat, reaching over there. And I'm like, oh, am I, like, am I done playing drums? That would suck. Um, and it just so happened, like, I always think of, like, biomechanicals, st- like a curse if I sit at a mall and watch people walk, it's like, oh, that's a Trendelenburg Gate. Oh, look at that. Anyway, um, you know, you see these drum sets all spread out. That's not very economical. And and so I'm always trying to get my drum set, like, da-da-da-da is easier than da-da-da-da-da. So I always thought, you know, I should have my hi-hat in the middle, but I couldn't find... And, you know, I never found any equipment like that. So, I, this happened to me, and I'm happy watching this. Um, Danny Carey is a drummer for Tool. So, he's doing this solo, is why I'm watching him. I realize his hi hat's in the middle. How, how do you do that? So, I'm looking at pictures, you know. So, he, instead of just the stand, he has a, a pedal and then a cable, and you mount it somewhere else. So, that's what I have now. I have that hi hat mounted in the middle, and it's like, this is like cheating holy, I should have did this a long time ago. So it's better for my neck, but it's just better anyway. I did it that other way all those years, but just because I had always done it or it's tradition or whatever, that doesn't mean it was best, you know? Now it's there. I can play with either hand on that. That's just cool. Trim the fat. Yeah, trim the fat. Yeah, music. uh, Music,
0: music. jujitsu. Were Mm -hmm. you
1: worried at all about jiu-jitsu tearing something because that seems i mean you want to talk about injury prone the thing that uh bothered me most uh my black belt is in stand-up japanese jiu-jitsu i only did brazilian jiu-jitsu for about eight months because we had great instructors up here this guy hal faulkner he learned he got his black belt from hicks and gracie i mean you just don't do that i think that's right is he
0: is that lost boys up
1: there uh i think I think they came from him. How, how would be older now? And I haven't talked to him in a long time. He might've even passed away, but I moved up here in 2005. I mean, he's got pictures with him with the Gracie's in the backyard before the UFC ever happened. And so, you know, it's a great learning experience, but for me, we'll call this hip flexion, this right here. And, um, when you're doing guard work, it's a lot of hip flexion. So that particular thing wasn't the best thing for me, you know? Um, I understand it. I know the positions, but unless I want to have neck pain all the time, it's not the best thing for me. So, you know, I've done a lot of other martial arts too, Uh, but not, not since I opened this, I, I, uh, I, I cornered a guy at a event in, um, in Hoopa. And then I put my name in to fight, but they never called me. And then I started my business and that, I don't even do martial arts anymore. I don't have time, but, I mean, I still, I still like it, and I watch the UFCs, but you just can't do everything, you know.
0: Was that one of those championships they do where they just bring, they're bringing in anybody that wants to do it?
1: Uh, there's some production company
0: around here that does. A it was a, of prom- those.
1: it was a promotion that that put on fights. You know, um, there's there's local MMA fighting everywhere.
0: Have you seen that slap fighting that they're doing now?
1: I don't know, man. <laughs> that was <one's laughs> tough. tough. That's... like, like part of. Heart of Martial Arts is seeing if you can figure out how not to get hit. They're just up to be Yeah, that one, you're just be taking hit. it. Yeah, this is CTE, man. I don't know. Yeah, what with those guys I do to deal watch with that. in
0: 10 years.
1: And some of them, I mean, they get racked up, you know. They're asleep on the way down. <laughs> it's weird
0: watching someone get knocked out from a slap. Yeah. Uh-huh. There's, a, that, there's a production company doing those, like Blue Lake or Bear River or one of those. Yeah.
1: I don't remember uh, the name, but certainly our MMA community has grown here. We have uh, We have fighters here that have been in the UFC, and um uh, yeah, you know, martial arts is is old, and um certain martial arts don't punch with the fist, and um, the reason they wear gloves in MMA is not for the face. it's to pre- protect the hands because you, you break your hands. If you... it
0: ironic because you're probably throwing harder punches because of it.
1: mm hmm <laughs> Yeah, but there so there's martial arts that do only open hand palm palm striking and whatnot. You know, um, yeah, martial arts is cool. I could music, martial arts, physical therapy. I could just talk all day. You know, it's a well-rounded trio. Yeah, yeah, it's movement, right? Okay, so this it might be an exercise if my rotator cuff is bad, or if someone's punching me, it might be a block, or maybe I'm just dancing. <laughs>
0: Do you think as like a key takeaway from this, obviously people need to do weight training to keep up their strength because you are losing Mm -hmm. bone density, muscle mass. Mm -hmm. Is mobility pretty high up there? I've always heard mobility touted. I know I need to do more of it. I
1: don't. Mobility, uh, you know, not everybody needs to put their foot behind their head, but mobility has to be good enough that your usual stuff you do are not limited by your mobility. If you're not bending your hips and knees enough when you sit because you aren't strong enough, then you need to get stronger. Because if you plop or if you sit down wrong, it may sound funny, but that is what causes injury in some people or you get up wrong. So your mobility needs to be good enough to do what you're doing. I think that's, that's the take home there. Um, I guess core strength would fall into that too, right? Yeah. Yeah. mm -hmm. Core strength. If you don't have good core strength, that's important in everything, you know? Um, have patients, you know, maybe they had a hip replacement, but when they're sitting there like this. Because tilted off to one side, yeah, they wanted to lean away from that painful hip, and now their core, these muscles that hold them there, don't know how to do that. So, so yeah, then I've got to address core, and core is one of those words that gets thrown around. uh, You know, um, the deep layer, your transverse abdominis, hold your pelvis together, can't move you anywhere, and then the global abs are on top of that, the obliques and the rectus and all that, and they move you around. And they're sort of a dynamic, you know, some muscles are static. They're good at holding you there for six hours. Some muscles are dynamic. They're just for when you eat and then they rest. Uh, But, you know, your core, they are, you know, kind of static. They're, they're, that you need to be able to sit and stand and, but they're also dynamic. So, uh, you know, usually training muscles the way that you're going to expect them to perform is best. So, you know, I don't know how good 60 Roman chair sit ups is. You have great abs, but are they going to work the way that you want them to when you're sitting and standing? You know? So I think, I think in exercise period, there's a lot of layers, you know, um, hip knee, ankle stability, core stability, neck shoulder positioning how far you want to go out on a limb if you want to be a a marathon runner, or like my my friend's dad, he runs these 35-mile races, 50 miles. Yeah, I ran six miles the wrong way. I had to run back and keep going. Like, I don't think I've ever even run six miles, much less six miles the wrong way. But, you know, he's going to have certain concerns. But uh, I think think just being mobile and strong enough and what you want to do is important. If what you want to do is more demanding, then you should pay attention to that, you know.
0: Yeah, do what you want to do and not be injured doing it. Yeah,
1: I think that's reasonable. I think in 2023, that's reasonable. Or, you know, if your thing is fighting, you're going to get some black eyes. You just got to accept the territory. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) Yeah, if you're going into an MMA fight, I don't, you just go through it. I mean, you're not really thinking about, okay, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be fine coming out of this.
1: You know, playing college football. That's another one. It was like, it was just what we're doing, you know. I don't know. You know, bad hits are bad, but every hit is a hit. And so I didn't know about physical therapy then, you know. I'm just doing all this stuff. And uh, one time, I was, I was already a physical therapist. so I would have been um, probably 30-something. And I, I was in Fresno. I was just getting on the freeway, uh, on the freeway entrance, you know, traffic and um, I was stopped and a car bumped me uh oh. 4 miles an hour I mean hardly anything we get out we look okay nothing's hurt all right take off an hour later my head my neck muscles felt like oatmeal like I just kind of hold my head up and um that was from a little bump you know now I watch football I watch NFL they're just every one of those is like a car wreck or if you get socked uh this recent fight, Sean Strickland punched uh, Israel Adesanya. <sighs> punches. I mean, he was here and punches his face completely over there. Like, that's much worse than a four-mile-an-hour fender bender. It's, I'm just thinking, man, how... And those aren't one-time impacts. Yeah. These guys are fighting, yeah. I mean, throughout
0: the length of their career, how many times? Yeah.
1: So I, I look at that now, and I'm older, <laughs> and I think... I don't know, you know, I mean, you kind of got to put yourself a little bit through the fire at some point in your life, but, you know, it kind of comes back to this moderate activity. If you don't move enough, you're going to be unhealthy. If you move too much, you're going to be unhealthy. How, how many 50 mile races can you run before your heart muscle is stiffer, you know? in aorta, uh, uh, arteries, uh, they receive blood from the heart. So the heart is the, the engine pumping the blood in there. More distal arteries further out have muscle linings that control how open they are. Uh, but the aorta, the first big hose out of the heart, it doesn't have any muscle lines. It. It's all just uh, uh, elastic. So when the heart squeezes a bunch of blood out, it takes it. And then because it's elastic, it springs back and drives it down, right? So how much can you... Make that elastic bend out of place and back before it's stiffer, you know? It's, uh, it's, um, trade-offs, you know? How, how bad you want to run ultra races? And, you know, my friend that does it, he's 82. He still tries to run. His doctors don't want him to run, but, I mean, he made it that far, I don't know. But it's cool
0: knowing that there are people out there doing that at 82. Like you don't want to yeah. miss out on that. Yeah. But you also don't want to be the guy who's 82 in a wheelchair because he was running throughout his sixties. Right.
1: Uh, when I'm uh, There's a picture I really like. It's a older lady. I don't know how old. She looks like she's 70 or 80. Got one of her legs up on a street sign like this. And she's hanging on to it and stretching, you know, like she's getting ready to go for a run. That's great.
0: Yeah, in life, there's that quote: "In life, we pick our regrets." And I think you just have to keep that in the back of your mind. Are you going to regret not running those ultra marathons more than you are doing it? Right. And can you live with whatever you decide?
1: Right. I think that's that's good thinking.
0: Okay. Well, James, thanks for doing this, man. Yeah. I appreciate you coming on and talking with yeah, me. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is great. Do you want to plug all of your stuff where people can find sure, you? Sure. Uh,
1: Humboldt Physical Therapy. Uh. Physical therapy has to do with how you move around, movements you make, positions you get in. If you can't do stuff that's normal for you, then you probably need physical therapy. So you come see us, and we're going to figure out why. Is it pain or stiffness or whatever it is? We're going to try and get rid of that, and then we're going to remind your body what normal is. Without looking, I can touch the tip of my toe. Tip of your nose. My my nose, (laughs) sorry, or my ear, because I have proprioception. My map is good of myself. So... um. If you don't feel like you can move, that's what we're going to, that's, that's the ground we're going to lay it on. If you don't feel like you can move the way you need to, Humboldt Physical Therapy. Uh, our number is 707 825 8100, or we have a website where you can find out whatever you need to also, Humboldt Physical Therapy. And um, teaching this Ollie class for Cal Poly November 13th. It's a, it's a brown bag lunch, is what I'm teaching. And, um, yeah, I think that's it. I just did some other workshops that are past. But yeah, that's my upcoming stuff. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks, James. Yeah, this was fun, man. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you.